0: In this week's Leeds Business Podcast, we speak to Jane Slimming, CEO of Leeds digital agency, Zeal. Jane explains to us the importance of company culture on a business, and how it saved her business after 70% of the revenue disappeared, and how she now helps other businesses to develop their company culture too. She also tells us about her near-death experience, and how it changed her and her business forever. Plus, you'll also learn how to run a tech project when you're not even a techie. So, to make sure you never miss out on every episode of the Leeds Business Podcast, sign up to our priority list at www.leedsbusinesspodcast.com. Everyone that signs up gets a free gift to help their business. So let's get into what is a really interesting interview. Hi everybody, this is Phil Fraser, Leeds Business Podcast, and today I have with me Jane Slimming from We Are Zeal. Hi Jane.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. So uh, let's start with an intro. Who are or what is Zeal?
1: Well, uh, Zeal is a full-service digital and creative agency. So we have three main parts of the business. We have creative, tech, and marketing. So in creative, we do a lot of branding, um, graphic design, animation, videography, photography, a lot of digital asset content, creative uh, content, and then tech-wise, we do a huge amount of tech builds. So we do anything from small brochure WordPress websites right through to global e-commerce platforms, app development, SaaS platforms. Um, and then the marketing is all about driving traffic to those platforms for some um, action, whether it be sales or leads-driven, but. We use SEO, PPC, paid social, um, digital marketing methodology to to drive quality traffic. Um, and the people we do it for is startups and scale-ups. So that's the area, that's the kind of really exciting arena that we play in. So we support a huge amount of um, companies that are looking for growth. So they're either just started out and they're looking to grow from nothing. Or actually they've been going about for a while and they want to pivot and change and grow in a different direction. Um, But yeah, the one thing that is key to all the clients that we work with is they are looking to grow in some way. And obviously the services that we offer help them do that. Um, And then we introduce them to people that can also help them in in ways that we
0: can. When you started out, did you decide that startups and scale-ups was where you wanted to be or has that just come about?
1: No, not really. It's probably happened in the last 18 months, I'd say. I think um, when we came back from COVID, uh, it, was, it was tough. It didn't feel like zeal. We've been going for 13 years. We have an unbelievable culture. It's one of the things that is, is most important to me. And I believe my job as a CEO is to create an atmosphere where people do their best work and help them be the best versions of themselves um and we came back and it felt tough it felt like we weren't gelling um we'd had some people in covid that didn't really fit our values we didn't realize because people were working from home um we'd lost a lot of travel clients prior to that which was difficult but then we'd gained a lot of tech clients um i bought a software um company at start of covid which was In hindsight, a brilliant move because it allowed us to do a huge amount more tech development. I like to say that was inspired genius, but it was probably just luck. And then um, maybe a bit of bugs. And then, um, yeah, so we, I I don't know, I I felt a little bit uh, lost, I guess. So I actually got somebody external to come in and help us do a piece of, of work Um, It's the first time in in 13 years that we've got anyone external to do some work for us. We have always, um, well, we've never done that before. But it was nice to get somebody who was external to look in. Sometimes you need that um, degree of separation. Um, And we did a, a really big piece of work about talking about, you know, which clients do, and I interviewed all the staff, what's your favorite client and why, which is your worst client and why. We then looked at which clients were the most prof- profitable for us. We also then looked at which clients had we got the best results for. So where had we did our best work? Um, and we really kind of took it back to this. There's a, a book called Good to Great by Jim Collins. And I don't read business books, but that it's a brilliant book. And it talks about the hedgehog theory. What are you best in the world at? What drives your economic engine? What can you make money from? And what are you passionate about? Um, and it wasn't just about what was I passionate about. It was like, what was Zeal passionate about? What, what, what was that? So after interviewing everybody, the biggest thing that came back was they wanted their work to matter. They didn't want to work for the big corporates where actually they do just a tiny bit of a bigger picture. They loved it when um, they did a piece of work and they could see the results of that in terms of that client hires more people or brings out a new product or smashes their revenue target or moves offices or gets a new warehouse or expands into different European countries. Whatever it is, they they wanted to see that what they were doing mattered. Um, we worked with British American Tobacco for a long time on their non-tobacco products, and that was the opposite. You could spend a huge amount of time and effort, and then it just goes in the bin because of the legal team. And so, uh, so yeah, so we... we because, it's all, because I think as well, that has always been my passion. In the main, they were the clients that we were working with. So our great success stories, you know, clients that we've been working with for five years where we've taken their revenue from £2,000 to £400,000 a month. That's their actual statistics. That's not just made up numbers. Um, and so it wasn't like we had to, you know, clear the decks and get rid of staff and clients but we did actually resign a few accounts and now we're just quite picky with the accounts that we take on they have to be within that model of you have to want to grow and and you can't be a dickhead they're two really key key things for us you know you have to actually trust what we say and work with us and enjoy the process really
0: you talked about turning down clients or or getting rid of clients now a lot of you know a lot of people listen to this will have clients that and i assume they paid well but they just didn't fit how difficult was it to do that both from a a, i can understand the cultural side of it but from a you know you're the ceo you know you do the numbers how hard was it to do that
1: yeah it's hard it's definitely not easy um the It's a lot easier to resign clients when you're hitting revenue targets and you're profitable. But we did it when we weren't. And that is scary because you go, okay, well, you're difficult. We don't get on. The results aren't great. You're not giving us what I need. You're upsetting staff. But, you know, actually without that, without that revenue, it, it,
0: it, you know, our performance
1: decreases even more.
0: When the staff see you doing that, that must be a real positive as well
1: well exactly that's exactly the thing because if it, there was there was one client which was which was actually disruptive and we didn't really hesitate to resign that account after this piece of work that was a really easy no brainer um but it was a big client it was it was a significant amount of our revenue but they genuinely did upset staff upset the culture we couldn't get what we wanted we were treated poorly um and uh When I announced it, you know, I announced it based on the fact that they don't match our values. Well, that's the strongest message you can send to your staff to tell them that your values are important because actually we're choosing values over money. Um, but like I said, I'm not going to pretend that we then sacked every single client or, you know, and we have, and, and, you know, that's not the right thing to do either. But what we then did is just got lots of clients that were in our wheelhouse in. Um, and naturally, that kind of now just happens
0: organically. How do you find or how do you select those clients that fit?
1: They select us, really. So it, that's, that's we, I think 99% of our leads on new business comes through referrals. So people refer us. Um, and they refer us because they know we're experts with these kind of companies um, startups and scale ups. Like, so they're like, "You want to go speak to Zeal if you're looking at, you know, growing an e-commerce company. That's who you want to go see." So, um, it's been it's been quite a while now since we, we have had an inquiry. We've had an inquiry from a couple of clients that don't necessarily a hundred. Like, there's grades of it, right? There's you know a bullseye target which is e-commerce B two C half a million funded startup wanting to grow into a new market. That's our bullseye. It's not to say that actually around that you don't also work with clients that, you know, maybe they're not half a million funded. Maybe they've got friends and family and they're, you know, seed funding and they're looking for that in the future. Or maybe they're not strictly B2C e commerce, but maybe there's they're a lead generation. You know, so there's there's lots of different things, but the 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 values thing is really key. And it is that like I met a couple of of guys yesterday of a potential new business that we'll be pitching for, and I was just instantly, I want to work with you so bad. Like, you're my kind of people. You're straightforward. You're honest. You're transparent. You'll give us what we need. We'll give you what we need. It's that instant, like, we are, you know, really, like, meant to work together. That's what I get really excited about.
0: Yeah. And, And, you know, the investment time you put into getting the culture and the staff and the, the offering to that point then allows you to be able to be in that situation where you go, yeah, you're right for us.
1: Yeah. Or you're not right for us. So that's also that's also fine.
0: It, it's fascinating you mentioned Good to Great because um, one of my interviewees last week mentioned Good to Great and Good to Great is a book I was introduced to many, many years ago. And we had our BHAG on our meeting room wall so that... Anything we did, we could point to it and say, does it fit that? Yes or no? So, you know, great that you did that. And um, just going back, just, just going back a while. I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned you've been going 13 years. Now, I know because I've done, done my research, you had a nice uh, account director job at a very good agency.
1: I had an account director job at an agency.
0: What makes you jump out of that, chuck away a good job, nice salary, and go, right, I'm doing it myself now?
1: Uh, two things. One is the first ever job I had at an agency was an agency called MediaVest Leads who was owned by uh, Domininette, who left Brilliant Media, ironically, which is the agency that, that I le- I was at before I started Zeal. They left Brilliant Media and started at MediaVest Leads themselves. And before that, I'd had some client-side marketing jobs and they were all very good but boring. And uh, within a week, I'd just been blown away by this agency it felt like ah this is where I'm supposed to be like round peg round hole moment um genuinely I was like this is the career for me and this is the agency for me and I was there for for I I think probably maybe six years and I, I learned I learned what to do at that agency they were um they genuinely cared about their clients they genuinely cared about their staff they um they were great they were just amazing and Annette Took me out for lunch, I think, on my second week. And she told me the story about how she started MediaVest Leads with Dom. And as soon as she told me the story, I said to myself, I want my own agency by the time I'm 30. I said that in my head. And um, if I say something, I will do it. I am so stubborn that it was never a choice. I didn't deliberate over it, I didn't think about it. It was to me. I spent from uh, when, you know, 22 at, at MediaVest, I spent those eight years making sure I had as much experience and exposure and knowledge and uh, understanding of the industry and the business to be able to set up my own agency. So when I was 29, I resigned and, and, and set up Zeal. And um, the second reason was I would always say I learned what not to do at that agency. I think despite there being some great people there, uh, in fact, Mike, who's our COO, who joined Zeal about three months after um, I started, uh, he he was there and and I watched him try and do good stuff and try and get new things. And and, and he was brilliant, so smart. He he developed his own products that would have saved PPC teams thousands of pounds in time. uh, But the, you know the The bosses didn't didn't want to do it, and um I, yeah, I think it was a terrible agency towards the end. I think um they didn't care about the staff they there was this culture of you had to be in until seven o'clock at night, but you didn't have the work to do, so you just messed about until seven o'clock at night when you felt like you could leave um you know, look, it, there, there was some good people and some good stuff about it. But absolutely, when I say I learned what to do at Media Best and what not to do at Brilliant Media, that is the absolute truth. So when we first started, I used to say to Mike, is this something Brilliant would do? And if the answer was yes, we wouldn't do it.
0: So you got all your learning from your, your previous agency. Said, so right, I'll do that and I'll do that and I'll do that. But I won't do that and I won't do that and I won't do that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I got, I've got learnings from every single job that I've done. I had a really interesting conversation with another agency owner about what makes um, staff like superstars or what, how do you find those, you know, when you've got one, haven't you? And you've all got a few, whatever number that means, but you're like, God, they're absolute superstars. What is it that makes them superstars? And they did a big piece of work and I totally agree with him. Um, and I thought this was genius, actually. any Every company should do this. We should do this. He... Got his senior management team to bring, have a superstar in mind in the business and then say what it was that made them a superstar. Um, And they um, got it down to the fact that it was curiosity was one. And I think that is one of our values is question everything, like always, be can I do this better? Can I do this faster? Why are we doing it? Is it right? Have we asked if it's right? Can we change something? What does this do if I push it? How does this work if I pull it? that's that's like really key um and the other was um like a a work ethic like genuine um work ethic and so we were talking and I said that's all well and good get it and agree totally agree is that but how do you find those people and he said they don't interview anybody that hasn't had what they class as a shit job on the cv and I and I just thought yes I look at the people and I'm like Go work in a restaurant, go work in McDonald's, go work for, you know, I mean, I've had, I, they must be the shittiest, I worked for safe style windows on the telephone, I went door to door in Australia. I dressed up as a kangaroo in Sydney, it's the only job I've ever been fired from, um, and I was only fired because I went to McDonald's not realising that Greenhouse and uh, Greenpin McDonald's were probably not brand associated. Um so yeah, I, I just think, but I've learned, I learned so much from my sales jobs. I learned so much from every shit job I've ever done. There is a learning and sometimes the learning is, God, I never want to do this again. So I've got to make sure that I don't have to, or sometimes it's like, I would do this so differently because I know how it feels to be on that side of things. Or sometimes it's like, God, that is brilliant. I am definitely going to implement that into anything I do going forward, though so, so yeah, but I think definitely that that, um, that that you learn just as much well. you uh, you learn from any job you do. I don't think there's a job that I've done where I haven't learned thing at all.
0: I, I totally agree with that, and I, I regularly go into schools and speak to six forms, and that's one of the say one of the things I say about a career. It's not linear. as long as you learn from what you're doing, um, you can only get better. And I want to I want to touch on. I mean, you've talked about culture quite a lot. Um both in terms of bad culture and good culture. I know that's something you push through, is it a separate company or a division of zeal? Coolco. tell tell me about that.
1: Colco is a totally different business and that was set up after the changes that I made to zeal when I saw the effect that they had on the culture and the staff and the productivity and the um, hiring the right people and firing the right people and doing all that good stuff. um, I just got really excited by it I was like why doesn't everybody do this and I think when stuff comes really naturally to you you kind of think everybody does so you don't think you're special I never think I'm special I'm the only person doing this I just think this is how it's done everybody does this and then actually I'm part of a lot of different leadership groups and um, I mentor a lot of people obviously we have a lot of different clients that we go into their businesses so see them and I'm like nobody's well not nobody but there are companies that don't have a clue. I remember England, I'm not a football fan, so I might have got these exact games wrong, but England were in like a World Cup and they hadn't been in like a World Cup final for like, I don't know, 100 years or something. So it was a big deal for the country and everybody was going mad about it. And the match was on a Monday night and I just said to somebody, come in at lunchtime on, on the Tuesday, have the morning off. And, um, and I remember saying I'd done it it was a comp- passing comment I'd said I'd done it at a leadership group and there were a load of manufacturers and I get it because it's different from manufacturers but every- like there were quite a few people that went you did what that that and it blew their mind and I was like that's pretty normal I don't think that's that weird and I knew a load of companies had also done it anyway so I spoke to my now business partner Lisa Lister she's got a incredible background in leadership groups and management consultant and change consultancy. And I said, if I want to do something, you're the person that's the best person to do this with. And we developed a program where we basically go into businesses and and teach them how to really put culture first on their agenda. So we talk about values vision and hiring the right people and then how to engage them. Engagement process is you know engagement programs which are more than just um you know the pub on a Friday night actually doing stuff which um inspires and motivates and creates energy for their staff uh, and it's been amazing and we were very lucky to be funded by the LEC and we put about just just over 100 businesses through the process and the results have been amazing like they've been really really good so um yeah it it's great to see that and again that's what I like I like it's so good when I can go back into a business and go and look at the positive impact that Colco's had on this business now you know absenteeism's down um because recruitment costs especially after covid were insane and that's partly where this came from as well
0: do you set kpis or or do they set the kpis how how would you
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. Like, I I moved from traditional marketing, well, media buying, really. I used to buy TV and outdoor, and it was very glamorous and exciting. And we'd get free dinners and trips to Paris and ski holidays. And, I mean, awesome. Do not get me wrong. Uh, But when digital came on the scene, everybody was there. It was kind of like the geeky cousin at a wedding where you're like, you know, piss off with your cost per click, like whatever, bore off. Um, but then I was like, shit, you can actually see exactly what the spend is doing and it's really accountable and it's KPI driven. And that I am a geek secretly. Like, I'm like, yeah, I love that. I love that. i like, I want to show, I want to prove stuff. I don't want to just be like, this is, this feels good. So, Culco is all about accountability. So, we do employment so we and we talk about that as one of the modules in the program, so to speak, is how do you measure this kind of stuff? And there's lots of different ways it could be in productivity or absenteeism or how much you're spending on recruitment um you know over the over the years and months depending on the size of your team but the, in its basic we do um help them put in employees um anonymous employee surveys to see how people are feeling and how they're and there's there's some stuff that you can't you j- well me personally i can walk into zeal and i just feel the vibe i'm like this is Everyone's buzzing, everything's great, everybody's happy, it feels like zeal again. Sometimes you like something's off you know. You can feel it. I think if you're a good leader, you can feel the energy of the of, of your team really.
0: I see, um just talk about culture. I noticed you had a you played uh rounders slash softball last week, is that right? We did. Just a warning to your team. That's how I met my wife playing in an agency softball game.
1: Oh Well well, it was just it was just zeal. Well that's that came across because we did we did rounders. So my mum works at Zeal a couple of days a week. Uh, a couple of da- yeah, a couple of days a week. Um, and uh, when I was younger, I played rounders for county. Ooh! I played rounders for county once. When I was telling everyone, and everybody was like, whatever, like eye rolling. Uh, and then, you know, laughing. And then it became a running joke that Jay plays rounders for county. And then somebody must have mentioned it to my mum. And my mum was like, no, she didn't. And I was like, mum, I did. My mum had totally forgotten that I played this one. Oh, no. <laughs> so then, anyway, so it's a, runny, it's a running joke, but I do love rounders. Like I actually, I was first post and it, it, it was a great game. So, um, so, yeah, sometimes I'm like, let's get on a train and go play rounders. So, yeah, we did, we did that last week. It was good, really good.
0: You also help your clients through Zeal Connect as well, which in effect isn't beneficial to you is beneficial to the client and again i think that's that's one of your that comes across as one of your culture points as well is you know we'll help clients whether whether we benefit or not
1: yeah i mean we don't directly benefit so when we make introductions to the right people to help that client there's no kickbacks or commissions or anything like that but obviously it is in that's why i've we've as an agency we give a shit if our clients are succeeding or failing we absolutely care so when the results are great i've just been to a client this morning who bought us all cakes because the results are great and you know it's wonderful thank you and you know i'm i'm i I will take clients out for lunch thinking that i'm going to be paying and quite often they'll be like i'm going to get this because you know the results have been great and that's and that's lovely that's nice um and then when things aren't going so well We are like, how can we fix this? What can we do? And if the answer isn't us, then absolutely. Um, You know, I've been doing Zeal for 13 years. I've been in the industry for, uh, well, nearly 20 now. In fact, yeah, 20. Um, I've built up a, a really, really strong network of unbelievably talented people, be that in actually how do I structure some commercial finance? How do I do some debt funding? How do I get pe houses interested should i do crowdfunding um, is there an accountancy that um, really gets small businesses that aren't going to charge me five grand a month but actually are going to be really good and um, who do i turn to if i need a warehousing um, which aren't going to penalize me for not having a lot of stock but allow me to grow you know these are all absolutely probably in the last month questions that that we've had And um, I I don't know the answer as an expert in that field, but I know the people that will help them. And it is just really simple. And I think I have that relationship now with these people where if I introduce them, they know it's a good introduction. They know I've done it for a reason. They know there's like a, a culture or a values fit as well. Because um, I don't have anybody in that network who doesn't align with our values. It's like you've got to care about these businesses and you've got to look after them. Because starting a business isn't hard. I have a really, really strong, absolute belief that if you want to, and not everybody wants to, and not everybody should, but if you want to, if you've got it inside you that you want to run your own business, anybody can do it with the right support. And the right opportunity. That's it. It's that support. It's that having people. So, um, I love introducing people to other people and, um, I love seeing that. And I'm, I am, am actually, it is a skill of listening to them talk and going, that's the problem. And then going into my file of facts and going, that's the answer. You know, there is a, there is a skill there. And, and, you know, I guess people do commercialize that as, being introducers or whatever but my theory is um it's if they're if the company if if our client's going to grow they're going to spend more the results are going to be better everything's going to be easier and, and better and that um yeah that that zeal network is really important to me
0: before we go any further let me talk to you about the leeds business podcast gentleman's agreement and ladies because we're in talking to a lady today So, my half of the gentleman's agreement, really, really simple. Every week, I bring you inspiring lead business people for you to listen to, totally free. Your half of the deal, Mr. Listener and Mrs. Listener, is you have to do three things in exchange for that. One is I want you to share this podcast with just one person who you think will get value from it. Number two, I want you to post a review of the show, either at Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. And number three... I want you to give this episode a like. That's all you have to do. Fair deal? Jane, do you think that's a fair deal?
1: I do. As long as they're nice about me as well, that's fine.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Step four. Step four, you have to be nice about Jane. You don't have to be nice about me. You have to be nice about Jane. Yeah. That's fair enough. Okay. So before I talk about that, you were talking about Zeal Connect. Now, we could exclusively reveal you're going to turn it into an app as well, aren't you?
1: Yep, we are. It's been built, so... um the, and that's come from, like I mentioned before, a, a real passion and belief that anybody, if they want to, can, you know, can do this. I, I, I do think being entrepreneurial or having your own business is, there is always, it's, it's in you. It's just in you. So I used to sell scrunchies on the back of a school bus, you know, I used to literally go around Ilkley. Um, because they had the best uh, material shops and they used to ask for free material from their ends of like curtains and um, you know that kind of thing and then I used to sew scrunchies and I used to flog them on the school bus and you know I've always been I used to wash cars go go to the neighbors with blackberries that I picked off the hedgerows and sell them as a kid you know this it I always was that kind of person but I am also very, very aware that the reason that I have this great network is because I come from a privileged background. So I was very lucky to have a mother and father who encouraged me and pushed me. I was lucky to go to a, a privately educated school where they, you know, it was an all-girls school where I was told I could be anything I wanted to be. And I grew up in an environment where I never questioned if I was good enough or should I or, you know, all of that stuff. And I think... There are, there is a huge amount of um, of advantage to that, and um, and this app is to kind of, I guess, scale what I'm doing, but also allow anybody that I wouldn't come across in normal life because you know I don't know them to have access to these wonderful people. So there's a there's a huge, I think, social economic divide which is only growing. I mean, I won't get political, but it's only growing bigger. And so this is my way of saying, um, you know, I want to put this app in the hands of people so that I can share my network with people who wouldn't necessarily normally get the chance to have that network of people. Um, and that's really important to me. Um, there's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of work to be done there and it's something that I'm really passionate about. And um, so, yeah, this app allows me to scale and it allows me to um, promote it into those areas which, you know, may not have had the experience and uh, chance and privilege that I have
0: I just want to go back because we've talked about um, how much of an influence Covid had on you and the agency, was that the biggest both negative and positive influence you've had through the time you've had zeal?
1: Um, Oh that's a good question I mean definitely one of right because I mean nobody knew what they were doing in in Covid um, let alone the world leaders but um, and no, I think the most, probably the most, one of the most profound things, um, or the things that uh, changed me, I guess, and, and therefore the businesses in, in our fourth year of trading, I think it was about maybe third or fourth year. So we've got maybe eight members of staff. We're just kind of getting to that growing and greatness and all good stuff. Um, I was actually very poorly, so I got Crohn's disease and I was taken into hospital. Um, very, very poorly was told this. They didn't operate in the next three hours. I'd die. Uh, I was on, on the operating table for, I think, nine hours. And then I was in intensive care for a week. Um, following that, which was obviously <laughs> just not good, um, at all. Um, it was really difficult, but it was the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, it made me, it changed me in a way where you, nearly die you know that's the the long and short of it. Is. and I always say to my mom it was the best thing to happen to me that and she was like well, it was not the best thing to happen to me which I totally get I think sometimes <laughs> it's part of the loved one you. of the patient and not the patient um but yeah it was a terrible time and I was off work I was off work for probably three four months um and when I came back I was incredibly weak and I took quite a lot of time to reapply rehabilitate um, myself, but I remember walking in, we were talking about this the other day, walking into the office and thinking, what am I walking back into? You know, um, and everything was fine. Genuinely, everything was fine. I think I even said something to Mike, I said, oh, I don't feel like I'm even needed. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, um it hadn't it nothing had gone wrong um it hadn't grown in the same way that i think it would have done if i'd have been there i think there was you know i'm not i'm not suggesting that i am of no use whatsoever to the agency but i realized at that point that it had it, it had outgrown it just being me it was it wasn't just mine it was its own entity and its own thing that needed to be protected and and nurtured and everything else um and that yeah that that definitely kind of um changed me both personally and in, in how I looked at life and professionally at how I looked at the agency. So that was, that was, a uh, yeah, really big, I guess, moment in the timeline for me in my, in my business career.
0: Wow. wow, that's, that's, um, that's a tough way of learning a delegation skill, isn't
1: it? Yeah. I mean, I was always good at delegating, which is my, my old boss said it in a very backhanded complimented way, but I don't care what he, the, how he meant it. It is a compliment to, to be able to delegate. Um, but yeah, I'd never stepped away from, we hadn't anticipated me stepping away from the business for three months for sure. Um, I think clients were probably a bit more understanding because I was so very poorly. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I did. it was, but it was, yeah, it was uh, like I say the worst, of, I think, was it Dickens or something? It's the best of times and the worst of times. Um, you know, but yeah, it definitely fundamentally changed me, and I liked the change, so it's good.
0: <laughs> so you you'd see that as your your sliding doors moment?
1: Yeah, there's that. There's, uh, you know, there's. I think there's sliding doors moments every day, literally, um, smaller and bigger. One of them was when we lost British American Tobacco. I mentioned that we worked with them for um, about three or four years, and they were we did the classic mistake and i'm using air quotes for the word mistake because i'm not sure that's a that it is but um you know they were 70 percent of our revenue and when we lost them as a client that was um you know very scary and we really had to dig deep to replace that lost revenue um and everybody always tells you don't put your eggs in one basket you know don't over be reliant on one client but very easy to say that but when the client's knocking on your door saying do you want another million pounds um you know it's very hard to be like oh actually no no thanks so um so yeah that was a that was a big change and it and um you know now obviously we have a much wider range of clients and there isn't that over reliance on one but uh again it's a difficult way to learn lesson but this the the the, the thing that i learned from that is it reaffirmed to me and proved to me how important culture was. So I think we had about 30 staff at the time. And when we lost them, I remember getting them all in a uh, meeting room and telling them and being totally transparent and honest and saying, we've lost them. I told them that uh, things would be changing. I said that we wouldn't be doing the, you know, paying for people to go for beers or doing that because we did like ski trips and abroad holidays. You know, we were doing that for staff. I said, that will be stopping. I said, but I'm not. I'm also taking a wage cut. I'm not asking any of you to take that. I'm just letting you know this isn't for you to be, you know, but I'm not going to stand here and still drive. I changed my car and I stopped going first class on the trains when I went down to London. You know, little things like that. But that actually they signify I we're in this together. I'm not going to ask you to tighten your belts, and I'm not going to tighten mine. Um, and I was terrified making that conversation to staff because people aren't stupid. They know you lose seventy percent of revenue. That's a, that's a bad thing. I told them that I would do everything in my power not to make any redundancies. Um, and so I questioned. I remember going back into my office and thinking. I wonder if we'll get loads of resignations now, and, you know, if people are going to be pissed off and they won't want to work here. And it was the opposite the absolute, we didn't lose a single person. I didn't make a single person redundant either. We managed to claw back the revenue for that not to happen. Uh, but people were coming into my office, regardless of seniority or how long they've been there. And they'd be like, we've got this. We're, we don't need them. We hate them anyway. We did. But, you know, like, as in, they, there's way better. We're going to, I think we should do this and I think we should do this. And it was, um, yeah, that was, that was mega. I just thought if I hadn't have spent, you know, nine years building that culture, then that, that conversation would have been wildly
0: different. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely amazing. And we're going, we're going back in circles again and we're, we're back to culture again. Every week on the lead to business podcast, we ask our guests to give us a, a five minute how to. So Jane. Tell us what you're going to teach us and then and then teach us.
1: So, I just put together a little, um, and I won't go through it all because it's an hour long, but we do a seminar which teaches, it's, it's called How to Run a Tech Project When You're Not a Tech Person. So, I just thought I'd go through some of the key points here that would be, I think, um, well, that are really important. So, the first one is discovery. So, you should be investing a significant time in discovery before you put anything in hard code. Or soft code, if that's the thing. But before you put pen to paper, um, you need to really make sure that the agency or the individual that you are using to build this totally, totally gets your vision. Gets your vision now and your vision of where you want to go. So in our discovery days, and a lot of good agencies do something similar, we're not, um, we're not unique in this, but we will sit down with the client, with the key stakeholders and we'll say, right, tell us everything you want it to do now. And you could think of it doing in the next three years to five years and we will get all their requirements and it's non-technical. So it'd be like, I need to be able to buy a pencil or I need to be able to add a, I need to be able to pull information from zero or I need to do X, Y, and Z. So we'll put everything on the, on the board It, It goes on. This is, it takes, depending on how complex the platform is, it takes a long time. We also have. Our technical architects in the room who's built lots of different platforms. So we'll get the stuff out of them. And then the second point, so discovery, making sure that everybody's on the same page is crucial. The second thing is MVP, so minimum viable product. And I love this when clients do this because they go, I go, right, everything's, you've got 20 things on the board that you want this platform to do. What does it need to do for launch? For launch, what's it need to do? And they'll go, everything. <laughs> and I'll go, No. Like literally no. And I will, I'm really like, you've got to be strong because I get it. Cause now they've seen it on a board. They're excited. They're like, oh, I'm going to build this thing. And I go, no, you don't need it to do everything. It's called a minimum viable product. So the reason that minimum viable products are so important is twofold. One It's a lot more, obviously, everything, every one of those features, there's a cost to it. So actually use your budget wisely and do only what you absolutely need to for first launch, for first iteration. And the second is get it to market quickly. You might have a platform where you want a hundred things, but that's going to take 12 months to build. Well, somebody else might be out there before you or somebody else might be doing it. So it's all about speed and efficiency without, um, losing the actual features that it needs to have so minimum viable product if you're a client don't be precious genuinely think what is the absolute minimum it needs to do here um and then the other thing is due diligence on the agency or the person that you're working with Um, talk to their clients i actually think one client did this to us and it was really sneaky but i was like yes i like that um, I had like three clients in one day ring me up and go, "Well, just let you know, I've given you a good reference for this for this client." And I was like, "I've never, even, I'd never even heard of the company before. Literally, never heard of the company." And I was like, "What? Is somebody else pitched for this?" And I don't know about it, so I sent a message around. And nobody had heard of them. I went on the website, didn't know anything about them, and I just thought that's really weird. And I was about to send an email when my phone rang and it was the owner of the said, of said company. And he said, Oh, I'm just looking for an agency. I was wondering if I could come in and see you. And I said, Well, you can. I said, you've been speaking to my clients, haven't you? And he was like, Oh, I didn't know they'd tell you. I was like, Of course they would. But I thought fair play. Before he'd even come in to see us or given us a brief, he'd gone on our website, looked at the people that we've done work for and just rung them direct. And I think that's a, I just think I liked it. I just thought he is, he's a cheeky little shit, but in a good way, in a really good way, smart, thought it was good. Um, so yeah, do your due diligence. And, it, uh,
0: and is he a client now?
1: He is a client. He's been a client for six years, yeah. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Look at platforms that they built. I also think it's really important that if you're not technical and you're not big enough to have a CTO or a technical person, if you're talking to an agency or a group or whatever of building this, it's worth paying a, a third party who has no skin in the game no I'm going to get paid if this happens to actually look at any scoping documentation look at the code of what of things that they've been built as well and just do your due diligence to make sure if you're not te- like I couldn't tell you what was good or bad code but my team can so doing that is really important as well and we actually do that for some people so we actually act as that that consultancy and but then somebody else builds it and um, think about the I don't know how far i don't know how far along i am but think about the separation process so it's like saying nobody gets married thinking about the divorce but think about the divorce um is the code yours what's the ip is this proprietary tech are you licensing it who owns it if you're wanting to sell in five years what's happening again real real horror stories there about dubious mechanisms so and again obviously when it comes down to the contracts get some legal advice on that as well um, and last is kind of, it's never a launch and leave. Um, uh, even if it's, even a basic website will never be finished. So think about that ongoing support um, and trust. Once you've done that, if you've gone through a discovery, a due diligence, you've spoken to clients, you've got somebody to check the code, at that point, trust the agency. Like give them enough space to do what they do and don't be kind of over their shoulder all the time. I liken it to the old, you know, taking your car into a garage. I would not be over the mechanic's shoulder telling him how to, I don't know, change some oil or brakes, whatever. Like once you've done all that, you have to get to a point where you're like, these are my partners, I do trust them and and go on your gut gut instinct for that. But it is difficult when you have a client when you feel like every single thing you're justifying, you're fighting for it. Um I, I don't like that. I like the clients that go, I trust you, you trust me, you make a mistake, tell us, I make a mistake I tell you. There's that. And that takes time, I get it. And I don't get it, it takes time. But um I'd just say be open to doing that.
0: Fantastic. I think that was I think that was seven steps, but that's absolutely brilliant. Um I do like the I do like the 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 third party as a sort of checker on what's going on if you don't know what you're doing. I've I've not seen that before. I really, really like that. And the whole, the whole thing of it's never finished is, is something, if you're non techy you think, oh, build me a website or build me an app. And it's like, here's the product, that's the end of it. It doesn't work like that, does it?
1: No. It's got to be. And also, like, you want your users to tell you how it should be better, not necessarily you, because people will, you might have an idea and a vision, and that's great, but it's the people that are actually using it that you want to hear from them to be like, ah, oh, the speech is great, but it's really annoying how it does this. You know, that's the... So get it to market, get people testing um, and just then constantly make it better. Constantly make it better.
0: Just before we go then, a couple of couple of final questions for you then. Um, for anybody who's out there who's either thinking of launching a business or currently running a business, what would your one key piece of advice be to a business owner?
1: Be smart with it. So you know, a hundred grand job and you've got six kids and a mortgage to pay and you haven't got a wing or a prayer, anything like that. But I'm like, look at the risk of you starting that business. So actually how much money would you need in savings to keep the family going for six months or what's your, you know, so be smart about it. But also if this is something that's inside you, just do it, just do it. Do not wait for your, ducks to be in a row or to have the right time just do it because as long as you've mitigated any risks of it failing that's what i did with zeal i was like right i will give this 12 months i i mean i was in a position where i was single no kids you know realistically if the shit hit the fan i could move back from my parents and get a job in any agency i would have easily gotten a job but you go right that's plan b so always have a plan b once you've got a plan b and you're comf- you don't like it, but you're comfortable with it. Just do it. Just do it. Resign. Go. Literally now, resign. Do it because it'll never, there's no perfect time. And um, you always, the, the old saying of you always regret things you haven't done is entirely true. And um, I have made some mistakes, some big mistakes professionally, personally. But I tell you what, if I got run over by a bus, I would have zero regrets. I have always, if I want to do something, I will do it. Um, and as long as you're not hurting anyone, then that's, in my opinion, that's what life is about. You're only here one time. It's a one-time thing. So do what you want to do. Scratch that itch, you know, just get on with it. Just do it. Worry about it later.
0: I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. And, and I always say, you know, the old Dr. Pepper thing, what's the worst that could happen? And like, as you say, all right, it doesn't work. i well, we'll get myself a job, you know, back yourself. But now you've said you've made some really dreadful mistakes, I have to ask you, what's the worst one? What was the worst mistake?
1: I I I um, I can't answer that question because some of them are tiny, some of them big. I mean, I don't I also I I don't think they're mistakes because I think they always lead you to where you're supposed to be. Um, you know, I went through a divorce in COVID and had to live in a Airbnb in Shipley and you know, some would say there's a mistake in there somewhere, isn't there? Whether it was getting married in the first place or leaving, who knows? But no, they're not mistakes. They're just they're just they're just learnings. And okay, you think, well, I did that and that wasn't great. Um, But yeah, you can't you can't really worry about it. And and actually, that going back to that story about me being very poorly, that is one of the biggest changes because you know I used to be one of those people that would make a mistake, say the wrong thing, or I don't know, send an email to the wrong person or do something, and I would just think about it, like think about it. Oh, oh, why did I say it like that? I shouldn't have said it like that. I should have said this. I shouldn't have done that. And you think, God, what a waste of energy. What a waste of energy coming back on the train, worrying about something you said in a meeting when actually you could be on the train looking for another opportunity or smiling at a stranger or, you know, listening to a podcast. There's just, don't waste your energy on shit that doesn't matter and it's not serving you it's not serving you to worry so yeah
0: fantastic fantastic okay so the final question we ask every guest this um give us a recommendation of uh, a leads company you want to give a shout out to
1: oh god that's really hard uh i i don't want to pick like favorite clients. so i'm not going to do a client um i'll do um a PR agency, actually, um, because I think historically and non-historically, so actually now, PR agencies are really hard to find good ones. I think there's a lot of bad ones out there. Um, can I do two? Go on. Yes. Um, so I would uh, highly recommend a PR agency called Hatched. Who are absolutely brilliant at what they do and just wonderful human beings. And I would also recommend an agency called a PR agency called Lucky North, who have a very specific PR product for startups and scale ups So we work with them quite a lot. Um, They do all sorts of stuff, both of them do, but they're just, 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 I've done PR in various degrees for 20 years. um, And it's only when I've done PR with these two companies I'm like, Ah, uh, is really good. It's actually really good. And every client we've worked with on them, we've seen increases in their, direct, in their traffic and their digital stuff. So yeah, those two PR agencies, very good.
0: Fantastic. There you go. Hatched and Lucky North, and there will be links to them in the show notes below. So if anybody wants to contact them, they can do. And there'll be links, obviously, to Jane and We Are Zeal. Uh, Jane Slimming, that's been absolutely fantastic. Really appreciate your time and some fantastic learnings and some interesting stories in there as well. So thanks very much indeed.
1: No problem. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you found it both interesting and of use. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, please subscribe to the show. Go on, do it now. Do it now before you go up and do something else. Much appreciated. Oh, and don't forget our gentleman's agreement. See you next week.